Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Dabblers Book Club. This is the podcast for people who've never read Chaucer and probably never will. I'm Curtis. And I'm Hadja. Hello. And it's a few days after Christmas, but a few days before New Year. It's what I like to call the nether zone. It's the original furlough period. All us freelancers knew about furlough and then suddenly all these people get not quite laid off and everyone learns what furlough means. So it used to happen once a year? uh, When I was contracting at a company... We would get an annual email saying it's the Christmas furlough period. Um, you're not going to work basically until mm. next year. Anyway, just like that. Is that the knew. very, very, very big company? Yeah, it's a very big company. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know what its name is. But, uh. <laughs> well, podcasts are like buses, or ours are anyway, where we sort of haven't been as regular as we planned throughout this year. However, December, this is what our third already. So I'm eating a brownie made by my friend Natasha. Thank you, Natasha, if you're listening. Um, it's an amazing brownie. It's my third of the day. Uh, yeah, podcasts. Yeah, well, I've got some plans for next year, you see. Go on. Um, well, those of you who haven't read the uh, sort of podcast description, I have set up a production company, Noisy Badger Productions, and the Dabblers Book Club is a Noisy Badger production. And I'm just going to kind of, it's going to get a bit better. Hopefully. So like I'm going to put some effort into it uh, next year. But I wanted to get all these episodes done out of the way. Still eating brownie. Uh, done and out of the way. Uh, um, and then we can start afresh. Can we still swear? We can definitely still swear. Fuck. In fact, I probably need to swear a bit more. Um, <laughs> I think so too. Be a, I, we call ourselves a swear book podcast and you listen to it and we're actually just quite bumbling I and polite. I think as soon as I get a microphone in front of me, I'm not as, um, as crass as I usually am. Except the other day when... Uh, I talked about the wet women in Murakami's books to Nadia, and I don't think she was ready for that. <laughs> Hopefully the kids have gone to bed. Right, we yeah, never actually got confirmation. I don't think the kids were ready for that. But, uh, yeah, so we've done three in a row. Mm. Um, did Burnt Sugar, Guest with Nadia Ragazzina, and now this one. And yes. then we're going to do an end-of-the-year podcast to sort of recap everything. Okay, yes. Yeah. That'll be exciting. 
Should we talk about today's book? Let's do it. Um, what did we read? Well, we read a book called The Queen's Gambit by Walter Tevis. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, it's just a small little show on Netflix right now. And we watched it and uh, I wanted to see what the book mm. was like. Yeah, fair um, shout. Yeah, we might have mentioned it. I think last time I mentioned it. Uh, so the Netflix series stars Anya Taylor-Joy, who, you know, I've, I've said before, uh, you know, she's just got an interesting face. You know, Curtis was just very interested in her chess playing and just an interesting face. I, I feel men all, all around the world are watching that show. <laughs> I actually didn't. Like, I really didn't. <laughs> I feel men didn't. all around the world are watching that show with their wives and girlfriends. You know, oh, she's just really interesting. Interesting you face. Like, clocked, she's hot. She's hot. It's you've fine. not clocked my taste at all, if you think. I said, a minute ago, you're talking about your friend Natasha, who made you a brownie. Now, now, you want to wear interesting? <laughs> Curtis fancies my friend Natasha. Anyway, um, she, <laughs> he's the, that that he doesn't deny. I'm just saying. Whenever we talk about your friends. <laughs> anyway, the Queen's Gambit. So uh, Netflix series. If you've watched it, we probably don't need to go over the synopsis too much. But it is about a woman chess player. Yep, she's an orphan that learns chess from the janitor. It turns out to be very, very good. Starts entering competitions, starts winning competitions. That's a caretaker for English people. I don't like the word janitor. The caretaker of the school (laughs) teaches her how to play chess. She becomes very good. She enters competitions. She wins these competitions. She then goes on to play in nationals, becomes the US champion, starts playing in international tournaments, culminating in her playing uh, Borgov, the Russian uh, in Moscow, and he's the best in the world. And spoiler alert, she beats him at the very end of the, the book. Very end. And it's interspersed with some key components of her life away from the chessboard, such as her adoptive mother and the relationship with her, her own relationship mm. with tranquilizers and booze, and there is a boy or two. Uh, but we'll get into all that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> Have I just thrown over to you and there's a I'm still eating brownie. brownie. I'm, not, right. <laughs> I'm not losing the brownie. Today. So first and foremost, before we pick it apart, of course, I want to know what you thought of it. Um, well, I think it was quite obvious by how quickly I read it. I really loved it, devoured mm. it. Um, I thought so. I Obviously, I wish I had read it before I watched the TV series. Um, I saw that one of the reviews, I think on the back maybe, yeah, just about like how they can't believe that a game of chess can be so interesting and actually you're in these games of chess while she's playing and it's fascinating it's as if you're like on a battlefield and um i found that all very gripping um watching the tv show um when she was playing chess i was kind of like okay next next tell me what happens after the chess game mm-hmm. but actually in the book i was like oh wow okay cool what's happening there and how's uh, how she approaching that chess game and what's you know i was interested in more of the details um i really really loved it cool cool really really liked it you did fly through it i did and mm. now i'm moving to russia and i'm gonna learn chess Decided. nice there is a re- actually yeah, there's a real romanticism <laughs> isn't there yeah, like, yeah, i've yeah. always wanted to go to moscow anyway but now I really want to go. I've always wanted to be like an alcoholic in the 60s. He's really good at something. Mm. So I think I'll just, you know. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll get on to that. But <laughs> I love that she was an alcoholic. Yeah. I well, love that she was strung out on tranks and everything. So I was talking to my sister about this and the alcoholism. It's like the alcoholism of a together person. Mm-hmm. So whenever I've had like a heavy few weeks... I worry about being an alcoholic. I was, oh my god, I'm. It's a coping mechanism. But like alcoholism, as we sort of know, especially in this country, it's like you're not an alcoholic until you are having whiskey at breakfast. Yeah. Until that point, you're just a normal drinker. Like if, if it's you're if it's, a binger, you're a binger. But it's we don't really call it alcoholism, even though it's like most of the country uses it as a coping mechanism for mm. one thing or other. But actually, I think her character, she 
She recognizes her own dependence on alcohol, which I fucking love. Like no one mm. saves her from it. Um, she has this, and it's. I think it's essentially like where it's at its peak. It's just a crazy few weeks, isn't it? She's not, mm. and she's grieving. Like she's ultimately grieving the loss of her adoptive mother, and and she's the one that comes to terms with her tranquilizers and her friend uh, Jolene as well, mm. um, who was her black friend from the orphanage who doesn't get adopted because she's black, um, but makes her own life. Uh, you know, makes a real success of her own life. I really like that she sort of gets herself out of her dependency and she's very very young as well she's like 1920 it's amazing to me that's written by a man as well because there's real real insight of a woman's inner world i feel in that in the book Mm -hmm. even though she's a strange woman uh, she has a very interesting upbringing and her brain processes are very different and she's um, you know not conventional Uh, and i feel that it's quite a convincing assessment of her relationship with alcohol like and how she stops herself drinking i found that very very interesting well i I actually yeah it is great that she got clean i just like the um the sort of rock star thing when she became this young chess wizard that was you know being written up for chess magazine or and you know the night before games she's on a bender completely on her own (laughs) that's that's what i liked it wasn't for anyone's amusement it wasn't for any bravado or loving the party she just loved drinking she needed to cope yeah Yeah. i think that was yeah and she had gibsons which were like uh were they like gin with with onion in them oh i don't know yeah it was in the netflix series as well because he compared the the onions to pearls ah which made me really want a gibson actually that's a nice aside so i've read this in the last few days just sort of over and after christmas and i'm now on this massive health kick and i'm not drinking because christmas (laughs) made me feel um so rough and um and this just book really depicts lovely things like lovely food Mm. and lovely drink and it yeah it just wasn't the best time for me to read it because the whole time i'm going god that beer sounds good um what did you think about it then uh yes i liked it however just a like no, liked it very much, but I'm really confused because I'd watched the Netflix series and enjoyed it. Therefore, the picture I had of her yeah. was the pic- was the act- actor from the Even though she's got brown series. hair in the book. Well, even so. Like, yeah. the, that's the thing. Those yeah. the descriptions of rooms and things, my brain was just overriding with whatever that room looked like in yeah. the thing. So I didn't get that experience that's completely unique to your brain, mm-hmm. which is, I guess, why it's not always the best way around to watch something first but obviously that's just how we did it um so i liked it i just i don't know how much i would have yeah i can't tell what my experience of it would have been Mm. had we have not watched it first so it's a weird complaint and there's no um reflection on the book i think it was a really good book um and it was very um tell no it was very show not tell Mm -hmm. which i liked and I was going to say this earlier when you sort of mentioned how it's written by a man and actually he's written the woman very well because obviously we men don't necessarily have an idea of what a woman's experience is, but you said it was very authentic. Yeah, no, not we, not men. I just think some men, uh, some male writers just don't get it right. I don't think mm. it's like, I don't think it's like you can't write a woman as much as a woman can't write a man. I think people are able to. Mm. It's just, a, it, it's an extra um, string to your bow, I think. But there was one point where I thought, is she... <laughs> It verged on, even though I liked her internal world. I was like, this is basically a man's wet dream of what a 19-year-old woman is. It's like mm-hmm. super cool, drinks, but gets in control of it, sleeps with men, but isn't that attached, but yeah. doesn't sleep with loads of them, um, is a chess yeah. player. Like, I was like, oh, actually, no, she's she's the ultimate cool girl right, that yeah, every yeah. woman wants to be, and her no, man I has painted. That. That, that thought did pop into my mind. You see, I took that, and I think 
I hadn't considered it that way, but I took that as like a subtlety. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, so experiences that happened to her, like sleeping with a man for the first time, she's at that student party mm. and they're all doing drugs and he's talking about how he wants to read Dostoevsky in the original <laughs> language. And I feel like a lot of literature would do the thing of, and she woke up and she felt alone and she felt ashamed. And actually she was a bit nonchalant about it all. You know what I mean? It wasn't wasn't amazing. It wasn't shit. It was fine. Yeah. yeah, And that was how a lot of her And then she went on like a cleaning frenzy and drinking and for two or three, like what she enjoyed out of that experience was time alone, wasn't it? I think by herself. Yes. In that house. I mean, yeah, it is the ultimate thing, which is very hard to read a book after watching the TV series. Um, But I was kind of expecting to want to gloss over bits and speed mm-hmm. through and actually I didn't I think everything still felt new enough to me um I was interested in the way he portrayed all those games and yeah I mean ultimately your brain is going sort of switching between the tv and the book and mm. being like okay and that matches up here and, and you know it, it like the tv series spoiler alert I mean he's not gay in the book towns her crush is not gay is he mm-hmm. in the book whereas he is in the TV series. Is he the one that becomes a writer for the magazine? He's yeah. quite a handsome chap. Yeah, photographer-writer, yeah. 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 And then he's out in Russia. And he's not in Russia in this final one, is he? No, that's right. And also, He sort of disappears as well from the book halfway through. And there's two... Yeah, yeah, that thread doesn't get continued, does it? And no. I guess when you make a whole Netflix series, you've got to pick up these threads and flesh them out into something. Yeah, well, it's interesting that he just doesn't come back into the book. Like, he's just a chapter of her life. He's a piece of Which I quite it? like that there's yeah. no resolution because that's like he, normal. He's a child. pawn. He's a pawn. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and then as well, there's Beltic, who's like the first really notorious chess player she comes mm. up against. And she has a bit of a... Well, she sleeps with him. And, she has a relationship, and has yeah, a he relationship moves in for a him. bit. And then there's Benny, mm-hmm. the dude in New York. And for the first, and I was trying to work out, well, which one in the TV show is the little dude from... Um, Love about, Actually. Is it about a boy? Or yeah. Lo- no, Love, Love Actually. actually. Yeah. Benny, yeah. Yeah, um, I couldn't tell which one of them it was because they were both... Well, Baltic has the bad teeth and he's the lower standard and then Benny's like US champion... But, um, but he's still funny looking. Beltic is only um, Kentucky champion or something like that. Okay, so again, it's nice. just my brain the whole time searching back while yeah. I'm reading the book, going, which part of the thing is this? Can I tell you one bit I didn't like so much? Go on. But from what you've already said, I think you will disagree. Mm-hmm. So when they're playing the actual chess games, yeah. And then if she knew if she moved her bishop to this one and then the knight would take that, but then she wanted to pin his king, but then the king would go to the king and the castle mm. and take the, for pages and pages and pages. You did, okay, so you didn't like that. <laughs> now, I, I get that it probably serves a purpose to the book. Yeah. Uh, but for me, that was the point where I was going, fucking... Like, the first time it was great because it was really yeah. interesting writing, but most of the games she plays throughout the book, I have a couple of pages of that. Yeah. And I was interested in everything but what was on the, the board <laughs> yeah now i get it it probably needs that to function it's just yeah. my patience as a reader but yeah that that made me almost start skimming yeah um i mean i understand how it could um no i just found it interesting i think it's because i you didn't grow up playing chess did you and i i, I grew up playing chess so i maybe mm-hmm. it made a bit more sense to me on the board maybe it's because i just felt like i was in her character as well a little bit out of you know wanting to be her because obviously she, as i said she's like the cool girl i think <laughs> most women want to be that nonchalant and um mm. detached <laughs> from yeah. men i think i think we'd all love to grow up only caring about one thing yeah. and not even have the guilt of not caring about the other things 
when she's kind of dealing with this uh, alcoholism sort of going off the rails thing, it's after her mother dies, um, after her adoptive mother dies, and then Jolene sort of pulls her back from the brink, which plays the plays into that classic black female trope of emotional labour and helping the, the white lead character. And that aside, because I don't really know what else to say about that other than, you know, things can be both. They can be bad for playing into that stereotypical uh, black character and also still very good with everything else. And the, the characterization was very convincing of Jolene. She gets Beth back on the sort of straight and narrow, doesn't she? Like mm. actually exercising and stuff and getting her strong, which is something I really liked because you don't see that much. You don't. You, well, I haven't come across it much where the lead character gets fitter and realises she's happier when she exercises. Mm. <laughs> like it's quite a quite a dull sort of thing to put in there, but I quite liked that. Yeah. Well, it was really cool how they brought her, uh, Jolene, how they brought her back. Because mm. I think it's a complicated relationship at the start of the book when they're in the orphanage together where Jolene is this tall, strong girl and who weirdly sort of in the very first instance antagonises Beth, mm. but then shows a little bit of kindness. So... Jolene is very good at volleyball. Yeah. And Beth is hopeless. And actually, while they're going, for God's sake, you you know, just keep up. Actually, there's one point where people go to the locker rooms. That's changing rooms in English. And and, and Jolene just really quickly goes, by the way, like, and shows her the technique. And then runs off and goes, practice that. She's always sort of been there for. And yeah, it gets kinder and kinder. So they've got a bit of a friendship. They obviously have a little experiment in the dorms, don't they? As you do. As you do. Um, And then she comes back and actually their dynamic feels very much the same as where mm. they left it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're very self-aware of, like you say, the race thing, like Jolene's, you know, leans on it a lot and, and makes jokes about it mm-hmm. and knows the game she's playing. She's quite happy with the fact she's playing a hand she's dealt and she's, you know, getting... She's very determined. Very determined. And, um, and yeah, she's very almost motherly of Beth mm. on motherly. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. How about Mrs. Wheatley? Alma Wheatley, Alma Wheatley, the adoptive mother. Oh, isn't she great? She's so nice. I love that the, she gets to have her freedom um, in those last sort of last days. So her, her mother dies when she's in Mexico. Isn't yeah, they're it? in Mexico City. Um, and Alma is sort of rekindling an old flame. Her husband's sort of left. We never get a hint, just like in the TV series, we never get, understand what her husband's up to. At mm. first you think he's involved in some dodgy dealings and fraud or whatever, and then he's like detained in somewhere and never comes back, then comes back to buy the house and it's all, yeah. yeah. Um, I guess he's just a man that's fucked off, which is quite a yeah, uh, but comes back theme in life. for the money. Um, and Alma, like when she sees her opportunity to help Beth and she's like this sort of sensible gar- older sister guardian. She's not a responsible mother, but she is definitely doing what's best for Beth, probably because it's what's best for her financially. Mm. But she really gives Beth that freedom Um, And it's really nice because it's nice that she doesn't go through any more hardship. Like you could easily, it could be a very sort of Dickensian kind of um, narrative arc of just like orphanage and then shit and then more shit and then Mm. more shit and then Mm. it gets better. Um, She says, having never read a Dickens. Um, I watched Christmas Carol. But it's great that she actually gets this relationship. And they're both as emotionally distant as the other as Mm. well. And I really like that. Like, I love female characters that aren't written to be... They're not written to be awful or evil or nasty, and they're not written to be so sort of emotional. And um, they both have drug dependencies. Mm. <laughs> they're both a bit emotionally distant but quite sensible um, and a bit... Um, not mercenary, that's not the right word, but 
very business minded. Yeah. And I think that I, I really like that. I think two great yeah, characters. I think I agree. And I and I enjoyed the subtlety actually with Mrs. Wheatley, who originally just seems like a despondent adoptive mother. Mm. And then I think she sort of just lets Beth do what she wants. Yeah. You know, gives her a lot of freedom. Oh, that's nice, dear, you're playing chess. Then slowly is sort of realising, oh, she's really good and and there is so and while she never dives into chess and really tries to understand mm. it she's kind of just there supporting from yeah. a distance and she gives enough um, wisdom as well doesn't she mm. she sort of says well you know i don't know much about chess but you're an intuitive player and just re- trust your intuition kind of thing mm. um that was a really cool passage yeah. of dialogue actually yeah yeah when she's in her own way going yeah i don't know precisely what you need i just from what i've heard yeah this is and i think she gives that guidance and even when she's like clearly just lost her virginity and has stayed over this place her mum's sort of like oh well you know that's okay we'll just be safe and and you can yeah I think it's just such a great motherly character whether it's I mean again it's like are these just two wet dreams of what an ideal mother and an ideal woman would be mm. um, I wonder <laughs> I just like that she's called Alma and our local's called the Alma <laughs> That's the main. That's the main draw of the book. It's about yeah, thirty seconds from where we're sitting now. It's so funny because I really, really loved it as I was reading it. I can't actually remember it much of it now. Like again, because we watched the TV show, so I'm seeing those scenes. I know the scenes that weren't in there, like mm-hmm. in Paris. She doesn't go on a bender with that girl and sort of have a like that doesn't happen. Oh yeah, I'd hardly see. I hadn't of, remembered yeah. that. Yeah. Um and yeah, Towns isn't gay, and there's lo- loads of things that the call the, with the chess players at the end is is nice because she. She finds that community, I think, right at the end. It's like in Russia, she is somewhat of a celebrity. Yeah. Because she's become one of the best chess players in the world and just beaten the, the big champion yeah. who is a Russian himself. Yeah, there's, well, there's the scene, and it actually happens... It's the very last scene on Netflix. It happens just before her final game in the book yeah. where she's walking through a square. And I thought in the book it sounded like Red Square. That's just, just an aside. Just a square, just a square <laughs> in Moscow. And they're all like loads of old, mostly old men, all out on little tables playing chess. And there's like 40 games of chess going on. Mm. And she starts walking through and one of them recognises her and yeah. sort of starts shouting a name and hugging her. And they will surround her and yeah. go, oh my God, it's Beth Harmon. Um, yeah, it's nice. I don't know, as a woman, it's a really warming story. It's very kind of aspirational in it. Not, you know, not in that let's all be a chess player. But that single-mindedness and just being able to care about what you care about and not being forced to care about all these other things mm. which is obviously what women <laughs> just yeah. made to do but is that literally only possible in the mind of a man <laughs> um, where there's a woman that doesn't care about all these things i don't know I'm sure well I, d- I don't know because i'm not a woman basically <laughs> um what i loved was how much yeah how much she was all about chess yeah. how she as soon as she got good at it she read these books and accessed this world mm. and she she talks about the Sicilian defence yeah. and the game played in Germany in 31 by this guy and how... And I love the idea. This is probably all real, isn't it? That there's mm, yeah, chess is this yeah. world with publications and chess players read up on great games that have happened. Because I guess like... Um, it's like anything. It's like just geeking out over anything. Yes. Um, and getting... Like you, know, you would have been with your music when you first started learning and like the Beatles and fucking Elton John. Um, you know, you know so much about... I do know most stuff you about You do know people. most things about yeah. them, yeah. And that to me is mental because I've never been that obsessed with one thing. Mm. It's my, <laughs> my dream is to have been obsessed with one thing and it's never, it's never happened. I'm still waiting for that one thing that just drives you. Like how amazing to just have one point of interest. You're like, this is what I care about, just this to learn me. and learn and learn. Yeah. Now it is awesome, but 
is it eggs in one basket territory? Is it even possible with just life and also how quickly the world changes? And also, like with this book, she's 21 when she sort of beats her arch nemesis. Mm. Was 21 or 19? Yeah, she's young. She never and, makes out of it. And so there is this idea of like what is next for her as well. Um, that She does grapple with that. She questions like, it all along. Yeah. What's after chess? Yeah. Because at some point you are going to feel like you've completed chess even if you're the world champion there's you know especially that young at some point she's going to feel like she's gone as far as she can go and then where does she get her oats you know what makes her tick i did it you just mentioned i used to love music and obsessed Mm. with the beatles and i went to university to do it then had a bit of a career in it and after a few years i went this is fucking boring now (laughs) i've done everything i came here to do what is next and i found the next thing and i'm sure in 12 years time I'll probably be going, right, fuck <laughs> this, what's next, you know? And, I've read all the books. Yeah. Well, you were a bit the same, you know? You've, I don't think so at all, you've no. You've sung, you've written, you've created content. But I've, I, yeah, I've got to no point where I'm, I've done enough of any of those things, I think. Well, you're sort of doing I've them all at it. once. Yeah, <laughs> that's my problem. <laughs> I've lived my life very much like, yeah, a scattered career. But I think that's brilliant that we can do that, you know? yeah. But I think that's what you do when you're, for me, it's like you're scared you're going to be too old for all of them. So you just do. I'm scared that if I stick to one thing for 10 years, then I'll be too old to do the next thing. So it's like, right, instead, let's just not really focus on any of those things until I definitely am too old. And then that's, you know. Well, it seems like an optimistic plan you've got there. Um. <laughs> I'm going to Russia. I'm learning chess. Shall we look at reviews? I suppose we're going to have to. Yeah. Before we do, I'd actually taken a couple of photos of parts that I liked in the book so I think this is when she meets younger players or no when she's talking to Jolene maybe um it began to enter her mind now standing in front of the building she could have played in tournaments at nine or ten like Benny she had been bright and eager and her mind was voracious in its appetite for chess she could have been playing grandmasters and learning things that people like Scheibel and Gans could never teach her Girev was planning at 13 to be world champion if she had half his chances she would have been as good at 10 and that is just so fucking relatable. Like, it's mental, isn't it? That even <laughs> someone with, like, this brain is still going, is still seeing the injustice of her situation and going, I could have been better, mm-hmm. I could have done this, which obviously I don't need to remind you is how I think every single I day. Gonna, yeah, I thought of you when I read that line. <laughs> You're ruining you didn't do this or start this earlier. Bitter and old. Um, look at this cover we have in front of us. Of course, um, listeners can't, so I'll put a picture on Twitter. We've got the American version, by the way, this book. It's the US edition. Right. Well, this is almost a really nice looking book. Mm. Um, Yeah, you know what my complaint is. So, you know, it's a a sort of washed out art deco-y thing of a chessboard in the shadows with a lovely sort of 70s font. However... There is a screen grab of the um... Netflix limited series on the front. Yeah. <laughs> kind of ruins it. Yeah. Horrible. Um, honestly, getting a copy of The Queen's Gambit was fucking hard when this came out. Like, you just couldn't. It was like a three week waiting so everyone's list. Everyone's gone nuts for it. Yeah, they must have like pushed through a new, um, waiting for another print run because it was like on a three week waiting list. So I thought I was getting, um, so that's why I got a US copy. Imagine, you know, all these people have spent their Christmases reading A Queen's Gambit after loving it on Netflix and now like fuck I want to hear some people that don't really know what they're talking about discuss <laughs> it through the medium of podcast and then I'll punch it into their podcast players exactly. and uh, this will um, be a very listened to episode I must say I am enjoying the reviews on The Queen's Gambit lined notebook from disappointed customers so Amazon one star reviews this is the section of the show 
where we look on Amazon, or in this case Goodreads, for people who are really angry about how shit the book was and give it a one-star review. This is no reflection on the book or the author. It's because angry people are good value. Well, went on Amazon, 4,942 ratings. This could just be the UK version. Zero one-stars. Hmm. That is remarkable. So uh, we'll go to Trusted Goodreads. Right. How many of them think they were novelists? (laughs) Oh, bless them. As a writer myself. As a writer. Says she always talks about a bloody creative writing class in this. (laughs) Right. I'm sorry, is CW, is that that one of those sort of... I don't know what that means. Is that like something... oh, Oh, no, no. Content warning. That's what someone's written. Content warning. Content warning. Racial slurs and child sexual abuse... This book is fucking gross. DNF at 7%. So this person did not finish at 7%. Uh, (laughs) Racial slurs. There is one racial slur. And it's said by a nine-year-old to her 14-year-old. And she sees the consequences of what she says there. Uh I can't even remember that bit. Uh, She she uses the N-word. Jolene says something to her. She says that back. Uh It's meant to be jokey. Like she thinks it's an equal slur. And it's not. So yes, there is... There is a bad word in there. It is said from a child and it's not said without consequence. And I don't think it's said with a sense of this yeah. is okay. Uh, so that's one content warning. Thank you fucking. So why do people, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Stop with your fucking trigger warnings and content warnings. I'm sorry. Yes. I need to say yes. that. I just, just stop it. Yes. This podcast, for example, it has got that we've ticked the explicit adult box, whatever, because we might say the odd swear word. Yeah, That's all you need to know. Might say cunt without any warning. Yeah, Just drop I, cunt I know, in there, I know. know. But it's like you're an adult. If <laughs> yeah. you're an adult and you can't function in the adult world, does my head it? I can't. Yeah. Uh, anyway, no, I agree. I agree. I see all this whiny bullshit. And I get we need to be a kinder society. We need to be a better society. No one needs a content warning for this book unless you've had a really bad experience playing chess and just the idea of chess takes you back to a horrible time in your life. I was in a library and I accidentally slammed a bin down really hard and a man jumped. Not because it was... uh, Clearly he had some past trauma. That is a fucking trigger. That noise was a trigger. Me going, by the way, Mm. would you mind if I talk about hitting someone and anyway right yeah. i'm gonna come no to no no don't no no, no, no don't. this needs said have, this needs said. said no leave it in well i'll add to that because i was thinking about this in the shower earlier yeah. um it's a bit tangenty <laughs> but a um, uh, trigger warning he was in the shower carry on <laughs> but i was thinking about how um there is a formula one driver who's done something really bad lately oh, yeah. and a lot of people are very angry and understandably so yeah um he is not being cut from the team he is joining next year. And they've said, look, we've dealt with it internally. Mm-hmm. That is the end of it. And you, I'm not giving an opinion on whether that's right or wrong. Oh, yeah. What I'm saying is the reaction to it on Twitter are people, and it is mostly very, very small like blogs. This driver doesn't exist. I won't be <laughs> blogging about him next year. I'll be blogging about the race, but I won't even mention him. Mm-hmm. Now, before I even get on to why denying reality and <laughs> you know not you know, reporting things is fucking outrageous when you look at history and things not being reported. You go, it makes fuck us, me. It makes us sound like we're not very left-leaning, like we are actually liberal left-wing people, uh, but from a socialist perspective, not from a fucking no-one-say-anything in case you hurt someone. It is the... I hate using words that fucking Katie Hopkins would use, but it's that virtue-signaling bollocks of... Look how good I am because I'm putting a trigger warning at the top. That's all you're doing. You're not actually helping anyone that might be triggered by the content. 
Um, Fucking try and trigger me. I think, like, no, but I think it's the use of the word trigger warning and content mm. warning. It's like, no, we already we already have things for this. In our, like, we already yeah, broadcasters yeah. already do this. We say this contains scenes that some may find upsetting. Hence, it usually will be after the watershed or like we already have those checks in place. Anyway, yeah. So anyway, Sarah content warning racial slurs and child sexual abuse I, I actually was thinking throughout this book and i wasn't sure whether to raise it on the podcast mm. it's amazing how not noncy the book is yeah so not the, the, the janitor that teaches her how the, the young girl how to play chess in the basement mm. it, it's completely there's not even a slight bit creepiness about it yeah. it's genuinely he's teaching this intrigued little girl how to play chess and Nothing it's, weird and happens. And this book is fucking gross. It's like, what do you think happens in an orphanage between young girls? Like, what do you think they do as they're growing up? I think it's very, very brave mm. for, like, uh, anyone to write that. Okay, Mandy, I think this broke a lot of basic book rules. Okay, firstly, book rules. The full stop should be outside that speech mark. Uh, flat characters, all of them, even Beth. No characters going through major changes and nothing happens for a reason except the first page when her mum dies and she becomes an orphan. There's another death, but that character could have kept living and wouldn't have made a difference to the story. In fact, two deaths, both inconsequential. Another character reappears and he doesn't add. Okay, this is a really bad synopsis, my love. What the fuck are you going on about? She's trying to say nothing happens. Yeah, which by, is... say, by reeling off how many people die. I mean... I, I, an orphan becoming chess champion, I would say, is okay. somewhat. She has of a point. Journey. The first guy she was attracted to, who I thought would be important, ends up disappearing. So none of her relationships mattered. But yeah, fine. Why should they? Hmm. All that happened she, was she won a lot of chess. We didn't get to experience what it was like to be a woman in that world. Uh, no, you did. That's uh, bollocks. That's bollocks. Uh, you're a fucking idiot. Next, I'm in a really pissed off mood now. And it's all Sarah's CW fault. If anything, every like competition she turned up at there was reference to the fact she was the only woman in the room. Yeah, like literally every single... We're reading a different book. It was book. quite a peddled fucking narrative. <laughs> um, it's one of those rare moments where the TV series adaptation is better than the book. Yeah. I will let you have that if you... Mm. Like, it's a kind of... Mm, yeah. See, I don't I, think so. I, I actually... I think the TV series is very good. Yeah, I could agree with the comment, but I don't see how that leads to one star. One star, yeah. Um Okay, I know giving the Queen's Gambit one star is unheard of. It's not. You were two years too late to that party. Um, uh, it's unheard of, and there are problems. It's amazing how bad a mood I am now. In, uh, I'm now yeah. in because you're in such a bad mood. You're not reading the names before the comments, so it just sounds like one big comment. <laughs> Emily. Okay, I know giving the Queen's Gambit one star is unheard of and there are probably going to be a lot of people who are angry at me for this, maybe. Uh, but I'll be completely honest here, I hated this book. After <gasps> Netflix's recent release of the Queen's Gambit, I decided to check out the book before diving into the show. My main gripe with this novel is that if you aren't familiar with the game of chess and its countless intricacies, you, like myself, like me... Emily, like me, may find yourself incredibly lost and bored throughout the entire novel. By the final page, I felt like I'd just read an entire book in a foreign language and because of this did not grasp any of the concepts or overarching nuances that make the story special. The Queen's Gambit is one of those rare situations where the show slash movie is unequivocally better than the book. I love the word unequivocally. Uh, this is a story that needs to be told visually to make an impact. Without that, it is simply dry, complicated and unappealing. Mm. See, she is alluding to what I said about the long descriptions of chess. Yeah. But I don't think it's alienating, to the again, to the extent where it mm. warrants a one star. Learn chess. Um, I, yeah, no, I was actually surprised by how into the chess games I was. I was mm. like, cool. Oh, so, yeah. like, do you know the rules? Could you play right now? Yeah. Hmm. 
Can't you? That's Can't cool. everyone? No, no do it's you know not what? every fi- like I was. I, I I think it was just something I learned growing up. Like literally from the age of four or five, dad was playing chess. So I learned to play chess. Like I think I got walked through a couple of games by a much more intelligent cousin when I was mm. young. I mean, I don't but... know all the bloody rules in Sicilian this and Queen's Gambit that and everything. Obviously, the only interesting thing I did this year was go out with work to Italy because obviously my work or some of my work is MMA fighting. Yeah, I'm not a fighter. I do um, <laughs> outside of the cage <laughs> things. Yeah. Um, and and all of the, in the hotel lobby for the full two weeks, the all the fighters they love chess. Really, They're constantly playing well, chess against each other. Well, it's a lot of fucking strategy. Um, Their brains are always thinking the three, four moves ahead, aren't they? Honestly, all of them playing yeah, against each other. That's interesting. And and like you say, yeah, I think it is reflected in what they do. And I mean, like, won't bother with names, but like the the main woman fighter who you're mm. aware of that we look after, and then yeah. the big famous journalist. Them two ferocious long games wow, against each other, like that's obsessed, amazing. and yeah, they they're all really. That makes sense, it. yeah, because yeah. it's a it's a game yeah. where you you can't just be thinking about your the move in front of you. You're yeah. wondering what they'll do if you do this and they do that. Interesting though to draw that line, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Have I missed something about child abuse in this book? As someone else commented it. Lexi, this is nothing reflective of the writing style itself, but I only got a few pages in because I couldn't handle the overt. And repeated sexual exploitation of an eight or nine year old character. What world am I in? Like, mm. what's. Have I missed something? I think Lexi would enjoy the works of Hunter S. Thompson, <laughs> Charles Bukowski. I'm sorry, fucking. The things people hate about millennials and generation, whatever they are now, is all on Goodreads. Like, go to Goodreads yeah. if you want to fucking piss yourself off. Jesus Christ, will you people just stop? Just read a book. Let it be a book. Fuck me. Ugh. These Child comments, exploitation. These what? comments are really delivering today. <laughs> no, seriously, this is. I'm going to delete them all because I'm too afraid to. No, don't you dare! <laughs> I want to hear an edit before this goes Just out. Just another rambling no, bitch. No, you leave this stuff in. <laughs> and these are all DNFs as well. There's no fucking child exploitation. Child exploitation of a character, of a character, and he's not written anything gratuitously. Okay, we'll 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 do the scene. Where is it? Jolene. Jolene. Jolene gets her Jolene. to Jolene gets her to feel her up a little bit when they're young. Which I'm sorry, Jolene is young as well. She should know better, but she doesn't. And and it's not one of those examples where an author's reveling in it and getting no, off on it. No, it was just like it's a yeah. device. There aren't they? Fuck me. Tone. Okay, watch the show. Do not read the book, kids. One star, just because of what he did in chapter one. So I saw no reasoning behind it. It didn't change Beth nor Jolene as a character or create some deeper conflict that needed to be resolved later in the book. It just happened and then it was over. Okay, is this another person? He's who talking about the he's, nonsense. He's talking again. about the nonsense. <laughs> Dewey lost me pretty early on with the use of the N-word and the sole character explicitly identified as black molesting Beth. No thanks. Not here for gratuitous racism. Yeah, Dewey is white. Dewey is white. Yeah, and I don't think that's quite how it's positioned, but ours is not to question While. why. <laughs> <laughs> Gavin and Stacey again, sorry. Um, wow, yeah, people really can't get over those first two pages. I feel so old. If you cannot get past... Mm-hmm. If you, like, literally morally oppose a book two pages in... This is the one thing that I fucking loved about my <laughs> creative writing thing. But our teacher, Dragan, was like... I will stand by anyone's right to write anything. Mm. 
their words on a fucking page. Yeah. It's what you do with them. He is not going, by God, you should all be molesting eight-year-olds. Like, it's 100%, fucking yeah. mental. Th- this is akin to somebody watching the Titanic and going, guys, trigger warning, the boat sinks <laughs> and loads of them die. It's horrible. Oh, oh I, had to, I had to switch it off. I had to switch it off. You're going, like... Oh, fuck. I just, I what, why can't you read a book and let it affect you and be like, oh, okay, wow, okay, interesting. You don't have to, you don't have to fucking write a manifesto about why you're against, like, fucking mm. paedophiles. We yeah. get it. Like, no one has to explicitly say it. You don't have to re- leave a fucking one-star review on a book because it describes something. It doesn't say it's okay. It doesn't, like, say that, hey, everyone, you should go and do this. It's literally just creating characters. Yes, there's absolutely a point about um, the the standard sort of trope that black women fall into across all our fucking literature and culture and TV and everything. Absolutely. They are always the emotional crutch of the white woman. That's a traditional fucking role that people put them into in books, that white people put them into in books. That is a problem. However, the two things can coexist. There can be that problematic portrayal of a black character and not actually because she experiments sexually with Mm. someone who's younger than her. I don't actually think that is the problematic thing because she's not an adult. She is equally in this fucked up orphanage. Um, Yeah, they're two orphans. And also, not everyone who goes through any sort of sexual experience is scarred by it. Mm. It's very bizarre to me that people go three pages in and go, that's it. I don't agree with this man. I'm not going to read any more of that book. Fine, don't don't read it. Read like fucking about puppies and flowers. Like it's fucking art. It is supposed to deal with... Life you're, stuff, you're fine you with know? someone's mother dying. Like, yeah. oh, I don't like the presentation of a mother dying. Oh, fuck off. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> I hate the world. Okay, just to break it up, Matthias, look at that. Boring. Okay, thanks, Matthias. That's better. You know, that's all right. Fine. Just say boring. Put all your heart and soul into that review. This book, and then Samantha, this book seems to go on and on and was kind of depressing, not a fan. Um... <laughs> Mr. Newman. Is it Mr. Neumann? Neumann, Is he yeah, German? like the speakers. Um, predictable ending. What did you, what did you, he's literally, that's not the whole thing, but he's put predictable ending too. It's like, yeah, she's going to win the last chess match, you twat. Like, she, she's going to do that. <laughs> the fuck? Um, I understand that the book is about chess, but it felt like 50 to 60% of the book focused on chess strategy. Yep. Which is totally uninteresting to me. Then don't pick up a fucking book no. where the lead character is a chess player. Again, that could be him alluding to what I said about the amount of detail on chess given. Yeah. She's a chess player. If she was a dancer, I'd want to know about the dance moves. I, can't, I, fuck it, I don't fucking you, uh, get it. You were way more understanding on this earlier before you read all the triggered people. Fucking Jesus <laughs> Christ. No, I get there's a lot of chess in there. It's about a chess player. What do we want it to be doing? Like, I, I, you, know what, you know what? This is another interesting point and I'm going to make it. I sound drunk. Um, Wish you women, were. when they're into something, we want to know what else is going on in their life. Yeah, 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 yeah. The chess love. Tell us about your boyfriends. No, the chess is fucking interesting. Her brain and how she approaches the game is interesting. And what she's doing, think she's thinking about how the other players are responding to her. Like, that's all interesting. Those moves... Like, they matter, yet we're going, yeah, love, but are you a bit sad right now? I Yeah, I hear you. I don't think that's an exclusive thing, like a woman thing. 
I, I think if I I don't read sports biographies, but if I read Novak Djokovic's autobiography whenever he writes one, I don't want to read about every tennis game he ever played. I want oh, to I, would. I want to read what happened down the boozer. Mm. It's not because I don't think I hear down you. the boozer. I've seen him in a boozer. A boozer comes to him. I saw him in a boozer oh, really? in Monaco. Oh. I've seen was it in a boozer? I, didn't, I knew you. I know if you've seen well, Djokovic. Well, I know, like you've told me like twenty times. I saw him twice. You've told me <laughs> as if you've seen him every week for the last three years. But um, it was. I in didn't a, know it was in a boozer. It was in you know because I wasn't paying attention. Um, after the, do you remember in Monaco the restaurant by the sea? Not the, yeah, the Blue Note. It's called the Blue right. Note. I saw him there, and it was his kid's birthday party. Oh, we right. were drinking cocktails at the next table. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, no, Djokovic, I would be interested in his tennis games. I actually would. Okay. I'm, I think my point is, is they're not just saying because it's a woman. We don't want to know about your chest. What else happened? I think that's the interest Fine, of the story. I shall allow I that. think you're just all pissed off at the content warnings. <laughs> now you're fucking on fuck the war path. Nothing will trigger me more than the phrase trigger warning. I mean, fuck off. Just... There's, a, there's a tweet to be had there, isn't there? <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at a five star review just to make myself feel better now. <laughs> yeah, we okay. I think it's only fair after all of that we look at some people who really loved it. Right, Jeremy, I so adore this book. The twin passions of games, order, clarity, focus, beauty, creativity, competition, transcendence. God, these five star reviews are gonna piss me off just as much <laughs> as the one stars. As a writer myself. <laughs> uh, Tevis works these themes all into his book in, in all his books, The Hustler, The Man Who Fell to Earth. Uh, but I think Queen's Gambit is his best. The writing is pure and invisible. The tension, excitement and suspense brought out by the chess matches is unreal. And a master course to anyone looking to generate excitement in fiction. I've read the book a dozen times. Wow. Twelve? That, that's excessive. That's mental. And my pulse still races during the tournament scenes. I think you're lying, Jeremy. I think this whole review is a adventure into Tevis's arse because it's just too much. It's too much. While not a stylist like Salinger or Nabokov or Kundera and not as universal or varied as Atwood or Irving, Tevis succeeds perfectly in all his ambitions. Okay, perhaps more than any author I can think of, Tevis revealed his joys, fears. I'm going to start drinking by January 2nd. This is just too much. Translation. Here are some other authors I know. <clears throat> Jesus. This is why we use Amazon. Amazon. Amazon is kind of it's good, isn't it? It's good for five star, good for one star. You just get a little bit more real. It's been pretty good for one star this it week. I call been. that a good reaction. Oh, my God. Are we irate? I am. I can feel, oh, that's my heart rate. 87. My resting heart rate is 60. <laughs> Well, you know, it's nice to get pissed off. So, steering very far away from those and back to the book, we should probably do a little summary. This is our last book of the year. What a way to finish. I know, I know. And I'm going to be cutting so much of this podcast no, out. No, you are not allowed to edit out those the, the, the rants there. They, they were fantastic. Too much. Um, so what did you think overall? Give it a score. 8.5. Very good. And why? Um, loved the characters. Liked the chess loved the um, original female characters as well, thought it was very convincing, loved the mother, um, liked her self-awareness as well and uh, liked the, the aspiration I now have to um, you know, be an international chess superstar. I think it's really inspired me for that next journey in my life. Cool. I look forward to taking you to Mexico City, <laughs> popping some tranquilizers on the plane. Dying in the hotel. Yeah, dying, leaving you to it. So you go to Russia. Okay. What about you? I will give it a 7.5. Thought it was very good. Just can't tell how good I thought it was. Mm. And it's only my own fault for enjoying the Netflix series first, yeah. which was a bit daft. But having said that, yeah, really good. Lovely setting. Nice, unique story. 7.5. So can we meet at 8? We can meet at 8. 
So, Walter Tevis's The Queen's Gambit, now a Netflix limited series, uh, gets eight out of ten. I think that's it for this episode. I uh, am exhausted. I've exhausted <laughs> myself. Um, hopefully, next season, next series, uh, series three, uh, we'll have lots of Amazon one-star reviews to go through instead of Goodreads wankers. <laughs> if you're on Goodreads, I'm sorry. You probably are, actually, if you listen to the podcast. Uh, please keep right. If you're actually, if you're on Goodreads and you review any of the books we do, let us know. So we'll read those instead of uh, ranting about strangers. Now, my only question to you before we go is, is there any way people can sort of follow and subscribe and things and listen to the is podcast? There, is there, is there? Yes, you can. Uh, you, our website is dabblersbookclub.com. Twitter is at dabblersbooks. Um, and you can email us, Hadja or Curtis, at dabblersbookclub.com. And, yes, yeah, subscribe, follow, like on Spotify and uh, whatever podcasting platform you use. Mm. Cool. Right, well, thanks very much. Our next episode is the last of the year, last of the series. It's a sort of a rundown of the books we've read over series one and two and also just generally outside of Dabbler's Book Club territory. Hope you listen. Thanks. Yep, bye-bye. Bye. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Listen. 